We'll sing, I was buried. I was buried beneath my shade. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my dream till I met you. I was breathing, but not alive. All my failures I tried to hide. It was my turn till I met you. Come on, we sing. You called my name. And I ran out of that grave Out of the darkness Into your glorious day You called my name And I ran out of that grave Out of the darkness Into your glorious day Now your mercy has saved my soul. Now your freedom is all that I know. Oh, the old me knew. Jesus, when I met you, you called my name. Out of the darkness into your glorious day, you call my name and I ran out of that grave. Out of the darkness into your glorious day. We sing, I needed rescue. I needed rescue. My sin was heavy. But chains break at the weight of your glory. I needed shelter. I was an orphan. But you called me a citizen of heaven. When I was broken, you were my healing. Now you're
Shauna, I love that song. I love where it says, I, w- I came from the tomb and I came running out of that grave. Because that's what often life feels like. Whatever you're carrying, whatever you're going through, especially in this pandemic right now, where it's terrifying to be outside at times. And you just, there's so many unknowns. But when Jesus literally comes into your heart and in your life, there's a freedom and a life that just makes you want to run out. And because of the joy and contentment that you feel in your heart, I just think that's the essence of that song. Yes. I love it. And it was great to just be able to sing that again with you guys today and just celebrate that. Something we got to sing last weekend for our Easter services, which we, you guys, we had over 38,000 unique devices turn in for our Good Friday and Easter services. It was 38,000 devices. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Our children own half of those. I think so too. Uh, but it was an awesome weekend just being able to celebrate Easter. I know we still did some of our normal things, even though it was very different. We had our Easter egg hunt. We did Easter baskets. You cooked some amazing food. I cooked a few steaks. Yes, yes, it was incredible. But the best part of it is that no matter what, we are still able to be able to celebrate Jesus Christ and that he is alive. So that was incredible. Well, my name is Shauna and I'm the production manager at the Clinton Township. And this is my family, guys. Say hi. I'm Ryan. This is Pax and this is Caden. Yes. And we, we are... support Shauna. <laughs> uh, and we are so glad uh, just to be here with you guys today and just to that you have tuned in to watch our service today. And like many of you who are parents, you've probably experienced some struggles over these last few weeks of just this new adjustment of life with your kids and even services. Yes, what do you yeah, want? Candy. You want some candy? Yeah, you guys can't have any candy right just, now. Just wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. Okay, so this, this is what church has been like for us. I don't know about you guys at home, but half the time one of us is in the kitchen making food and snacks, right? It's kind of like a movie theater type Except for now we're the ones providing Good everything. Good thing we like snacks and are okay with putting yes. on weight. <laughs> it's because we like Watch snacks. Um, but it's been really fun. But there has been some challenges, you know, just being even from the watching services as a family with our kids all in the same room, um, just being home and trying to work and have kids in school and all that. And our K-Kids team has been incredible, and they've been providing some amazing resources online through our Facebook page. And so I'm going to let Taylor share more about that. Hey everyone, my name is Taylor Leal and I'm the Early Childhood Director over at our Kensington Troy campus and this is Jackson. Jackson, can you say hi? Hi. Thank you. Um, And we wanted to be honest with you, we are actually still in our pajamas. And if you have young children, then you are probably in the same boat as us. You're coming to church in your pajamas and that is welcome during this time. But Jackson and I just wanted to encourage you to go like and subscribe our Kensington Kids Facebook page. It's Kensington Church Kids. Um, Yeah, on that Facebook page, we are uploading our lessons every single weekend. So Jackson's age, um, two to five years old, they get to watch their Ollie videos. Right, Jackson? You love Ollie? Yeah, you do. Uh Uh-huh. And um, for our elementary kiddos, kindergarten through fifth grade, um, they get to watch the so-and-so show, which I know they love that as well. And so on that Facebook page, we'll be posting our lessons and we'll be posting um, a ton of resources for our parents at this time as well. Another thing that we want to invite you to is we have private groups for each individual campus. So every campus has their own individual group in addition to that Facebook page. And we're using that group as um, our way of engaging in community right now. So we are inviting our volunteers, we're inviting our families and our staff into those groups so we can have conversations with each other, we can lift each other up during this time, we can stay connected, and we can also do fun challenges like um, fort building contests in our living room where parents can safely post pictures of their kids in that group. 
Um, and we're using that time to do, oh, <laughs> we're using that time um, to have story time and all of that fun stuff. So we would love for you to follow our Kensington Kids Facebook page and then also join one of our campus groups on that page as well. We love you guys. We miss you. We're ho we hope that you are staying safe and sane during this time. And we hope to see you guys real soon. Thank you, Taylor, so much for sharing all about that. And so families, I would encourage you to go online to the Kensington Kids Facebook page and just check out all the incredible resources that they are providing for parents during this season. And kids, I just want to say thank you for being with us. Why don't you guys say goodbye because I know they're itching to go do something else at this time. So thank you guys so much. Well, today we are starting a brand new series called Beauty from Ashes. And Danny Cox and Andrew Kim from our Troy campus will be leading us through that, along with Matthias Pitts from our Orion campus leading us through the music. But before we do that, we thought it would be fun to see how people in our community are spending their time during the stay-at-home order that we are currently in. So sit back, relax, and you might get some good ideas out of this next video. Welcome everyone. Andrew and I are so grateful to be with you again. 
Audrey and the team did a wonderful job on that Casey Musgrave song, Rainbow. I love that song, but what I really loved was seeing the images of all the people in our community and how they're creating moments of beauty, moments of welcoming, of community, of home, of connection. You know, we asked our community to give us some of the ideas that they're doing and submit those. And we got so many, we really couldn't even use all the ones that were sent in. So thank you for that. But it's incredible to see what's happening out there. And it goes so well with that chorus. Because in the chorus it says, When the wind finally dies down, the storm has passed, you may feel like you're in the same storm. You might be holding on to this umbrella. But here's a promise I never want you to forget. That there's always been a rainbow hanging over your head. I love that image of a rainbow hanging over your head. This almost this image of hope that's always there. And that's what we're uh, really dreaming that you would hold on to today all the way through the message. Because in times like this, we have to know that there is God's promise over us and we are going to make it. And when I see images like we just watched and I hear about the stories of the great acts of kindness and love and grace and mercy that this community is doing to people in need, and we're really drawing together in the name of Jesus, I have that hope. I really do believe that God is in the midst of this and he's gonna carry us through. So I'm excited about starting a brand new series today called Beauty from Ashes, which is what God is gonna do during this time for us. And we're gonna talk today about what does it even mean to create home as we're living in this kind of strange time. So let's pray together and then we'll jump in. Lord, thank you for the community. Thank you for the children that are just creating these great little pieces of art and creativity that brings such joy and such life at a, at a time that's really filled with despair. And so we thank you for that. We ask you, Lord, today to teach us what does it mean to be home in you? What does it mean to be home in ourselves? And how do we create home for others wherever we go in the name of Jesus? We thank you for what you're going to do. We ask you to lead us in your way that has eternal value. And we pray this in your son's name, Jesus. Amen. Well, we love to receive our offering at this moment. Uh, I just have to say to you, thank you so much, all of you that are being so generous in this tough time. It allows us to be the church in such a unique way. In fact, just this past week, I was in some meetings and I wanted to share some of the things that are happening just in the last seven days. It says a thousand meals for medical professionals working in hospital areas have been provided. Two thousand meals provided uh, through local food banks to families in critical need. A hundred Kensington families received financial assistance uh, that they could take and then help their neighbors with. And then I love this one. I think we have a photo of this. Uh, one pallet of baby formula. That's 150 large containers that will provide 3,754 ounce bottles for our youngsters and our family out there. And that's just so exciting. And it's because of the generosity in this community that we're allowed to do that. Now, we, we're going to be honest with you. We understand that we are in an unprecedented time when it comes to finances. We know that many of you right now are really being affected uh, with job loss, with layoffs, with furloughs. And so we want to be sensitive to that. But we also uh, have been amazed that people right now that do have the ability to give and to partner, your generosity has been incredible. And so we want to say thank you because as you're doing that, 
we are being able to be the hands and feet at a time that we so need to do that. Uh, there are many different ways that you can give here at Kensington. Uh, all of these now online, obvi obviously, because we're not meeting physically. Uh, the easiest one is to text 77977 to Kensington and follow the prompts. Also, you can download our app. And I would say this, we don't know how long this is going to go. And our app is one of the best ways to know everything that's happening at Kensington. So please download that. And giving is one aspect of that. And then, of course, you can go on Kensington kensingtonchurch.org or you can send in a check to our main office. Uh, we are so grateful for your generosity. Thank you so much. Well, we celebrated Easter this past weekend and it was just a crazy, beautiful experience. Yeah, we estimate that it was an incredible weekend and we estimate that there were almost 40,000 devices that logged on and according to our calculations that represents about 70 to 80,000 people which if you think about it that's wow. an astounding number that's more people than we can actually than you can actually fit into Ford Field that's how many of you joined us Oh, that's amazing. And I, I really enjoyed all the communication online, all the stories, all the videos. One of my favorite videos actually came from your wife, uh, Andrew Robin. Uh, she posted a video of your two beautiful daughters. Yeah, we've had a lot of time around here to try to think of creative ways to keep our kids engaged. And Eliana, who's eight, she's been taking these awesome videos of our two-year-old Mia. And last weekend, on Easter weekend, this is what she did, which I thought was so perfect for, of course, what we celebrated last weekend. So let's take a look together. Did you know Jesus died on the cross today? Hello? Well, did you know that he rose on a... Did you know he came alive again on Sunday? Well, I absolutely love that video. I, I don't know. It looks like uh, Eliana's going to take after you and maybe she's going to become evangelist. And I have no idea, but maybe Mia is going to become some kind of worship leader. <laughs> but I just know she's following in your footsteps. You know, this past Easter for me was incredibly special. It marked the 20th anniversary of me coming back to Christ. I was actually invited 20 years ago to come to Kensington to play an Easter service to play drums. And I wasn't there for anything other than to make money and to play music. And at some point, someone told me to go listen to the message. And I reluctantly went out to listen. And Dave Wilson was preaching. And that day, his tagline was that God is calling you home. God is calling you home. And about the 10th time he said, God is calling you home, something deep inside of me just broke. It was like turning on a, 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 a faucet. I just started weeping. And I probably wept for close to 40 minutes until my friend Angela said, I think I'm losing my mind. And she said, no, Danny, that's what the Holy Spirit feels like when he moves in you. That's what it feels like when God brings you home. And I never forgot that. I never forgot that image of home. I've never forgotten that moment. And what God has done over the last 20 years has been astounding. And that word home means so much. And even within Scripture, from the very beginning of Scripture through the end, there's this theme of home. There's this storyline, this through line of God's people moving into home, away from home, losing home, being dragged out of home for all kinds of different reasons. Most of the time it's because there's some kind of disobedience with God. Sometimes there was political war and strife and conflict, some cultural issues, a number of issues. But they would be moved away from their physical homes and have to live in exile as resident aliens, being moved out of their very familiar land and moved into a strange land, feeling like strangers in a strange land. 
But there was something that God always knew. God would always pursue them and bring them back home. And God knew that it wasn't just the physical home, even though that's very important. It was something much bigger than that. It was the spiritual home. And we found out something that when we are actually in the presence of God, when we are near to God, when we are with God, that is ultimately home. That is ultimately home. And it doesn't matter what location you're in. It doesn't matter where you're at around the world. It doesn't matter if we're in quarantine or we're locked in our homes. I mean, some of you want to, may want to get out of your homes right now. Uh, but it really doesn't matter. If we're with God, if we're this stranger in a strange land, but we're in Christ, we are home. We have found home. And not only that, but we have the privilege to point other people to home, to create home. I love what Mark Laverton says. He is the president of Fuller Seminary, and he writes it this way. He says, God is at home in us and in all places and sends us to all places to help others find their way home. And every place we go is holy ground. God's presence and purposes are encountered in ordinary places with ordinary people, in, in the forgotten and the unseen and the unremembered. The deep work of the gospel, the good news of Jesus that we just celebrated this past weekend, is about reclaiming all things, all places for the kingdom of God. When we're in Christ, when we're close to God, we're home and we can create home. In fact, that is the first point that Andrew and I want to draw you into as we look at a particular scripture, that in these kinds of times, in these times when we're living in what we may feel a strange land, even though we're familiar with our homes, it's a strange time, God calls us to create home. We're going to be looking at a passage of scripture found in Jeremiah 29. And during this time in history in the Old Testament, God's people were broken up into two kingdoms. The northern kingdom, which was the kingdom of Israel, and the southern kingdom, which was the kingdom of Judah. And the prophet Jeremiah, which his book is written about, works primarily in the kingdom of Judah. And that's where the city of Israel is. And in this time, there's a king, King Nebuchadnezzar, who uh, had moved in and taken over this region and taken over the city of Jerusalem and took captive many of their biggest influence. In fact, that was a pattern that many kings would do. When they took over a territory, they would take the bigger influencers, the priests, the leaders, the artisans, all of the people that had cultural significance and leadership significance, they would take them captive and they would move them to their land. And Nebuchadnezzar had a land called Babylon, and they moved them out of their city, out of their home to Babylon, and they lived in exile. And we find that Jeremiah, this prophet, and a prophet in the Old Testament, or a prophet in general, is someone that speaks the word of God, that speaks the truth of God, is called by God to speak the truth. He finds himself in a hard position. God gives him a hard call to continue to call his people to truth and call him back to God. So Jeremiah finds himself in this position, uh, really wanting to go to the people and write a letter to them and start to tell them what it means to live in exile. Now here's the interesting part. There was another prophet, and you can read about it in chapter 28, that predicted that this living in exile would only last a couple years. But he was wrong, and Jeremiah knew that. Jeremiah knew that this wouldn't be just two years. This would be 70 years, almost seven decades. 
And he had that message that he had to give to the people. He was not a popular person. Many times prophets are not popular. They're the ones that kind of bring the bad news. And so here's Jeremiah. He was, if you read the chapter, he's lonely, he's tortured, he's rejected, he's in prison. But he's standing by and telling the people about what God's promises are, even though they have to stay there for this period of time. And so we're going to work out of chapter 29 in Jeremiah. And I'm just going to read the first few bits of scripture. Listen to this in Jeremiah 29, 1 and then 4 through 6. This is a text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This is what the Lord God Almighty, the God of Israel, says to those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now, I want to I pause there for just a second. In the first verse, listen to what it says. It says, Nebuchadnezzar, this worldly king, has now carried these people out of exile, you know, into, in, or into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. And then in verse 4, God says, I carry you from exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. It's very interesting. I find that that we find ourselves in the position we're in today because of some worldly circumstance like the coronavirus. But God is with us in the midst of that, carrying us as well. And then here's what Jeremiah says that we are to do, even though we're living in this strange time, even though it's out of our comfort zone, even though we're living in a time of uncertainty. This is what he says to the God's people in this moment. He says this in verse 5. Build houses. Say build houses. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters and increase in number. Do not decrease. Absolutely love what Jeremiah is saying here. He knows that this is going to be a long run. I mean, couldn't you imagine right now if uh, you know, all of us are wanting this COVID-19 to be over now, and many of us are thinking it's going to be the next week, it's going to be a couple more weeks, I can handle this. But imagine if someone came to you and said, guess what, this is going to be decades long, and it's going to start right now. There would be a, a weight that would come upon you. But then Jeremiah says, but it's okay, because God has a message for you. He wants you to flourish in this time. He wants you to settle in. So I'm going to give you four words to think about out of the scripture. Four words. Build live, plant, and flourish. Build, live, plant, and flourish. The first one is build, create. God says, in this time of uncertainty, in this time of exile, build and create. What? Home, family. You know, I've noticed so much that in normal times, things are so busy that very rarely is there's intentionality of creating and building. Many times we feel like we just have to run from one thing to another. I don't know if you feel that, but I feel that. But in this particular time for us, there's a moment to sit back and intentionally build and create home and family. That's why I absolutely loved how we started this service with that song, Rainbow, and watching our community. I wanted to highlight a couple of those pictures of our, of our kids I personally love a few of them. One is this eight-year-old boy named Vinny. I love Vinny. And he is so proud of his artwork in that door. You can just see his face beaming, can't you? And then there's this two-year-old Catherine with her artwork, looking at her chalk artwork and the beauty that she's creating. And then I love this. They added an extra picture of her inside watching one of our services, intently watching. I just love that picture. And then this is probably one of my favorite ones. A little one caught with her hands up, raising a hallelujah in her little bouncer. 
<laughs> you know, but that kind of image is so beautiful. Building home, creating, uh, having this absolute creating and building that's happening. For in, in the New Testament, in 1 Peter says this, Come to Jesus, a living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious. I hope you know that you know that you are chosen and precious in God's sight as well. But Jesus is chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourselves be built into spiritual houses. God is saying during this time, this unprecedented time, build, create. Second word is live or settle. Decide right now today that we are actually going to embrace this current situation and we are going to settle in. No matter how long this is going to go on for, let's decide today that we're going to settle in and that we're going to live. That we're not just going to try to survive this because that's usually our instinct. Hey, look, I'll just hunker down and I'll survive. But instead of thinking that way, what if we thought we're going to thrive? We're going to actually settle in, we're going to plant our feet, and we are going to thrive during this time. You know, we experienced this with uh, our daughter, Johanna, our youngest one. In fact, all of our daughters. We had three adopted daughters, but in particular, our youngest daughter. She'll be with us almost 12 years. And she was literally living in exile. She had left uh, her home when we adopted her. She was 17. We brought her here to Michigan from Honduras, so a completely strange place. And for the first year, it was really, really tough. And I remember the moment when she decided in her mind she was just going to settle down and she was going to live. And there was a turning point. And when that happened, it was a flourishing that started to happen in her life. Now, don't get me wrong. It has not been an easy road. I mean, even to this day, 12 years later, there's this, there's this pining and this sense, sometimes beautiful technology that can connect us from around the world. But there was a moment where she chose to just settle in and fight and start to really live and settle. Would you do that during this time? And then God says, plant. You know, when we plant something, there's an anticipation that happens. We're waiting for it to start to flourish. We're waiting for it to start to grow. And I would say this to young families right now and families out there. This time with your children is a special time. Rarely do we get this kind of time where we get to have focused time where things slow down. Now, I know that it's hard and you're probably like pulling out your hair. Obviously, I have. But uh, you're pulling out your hair because uh, you're being teacher, you're being leader, you're being mom, you're being dad, you're being all of the things, and you're working. But this time is special. And what I would say is this is a time we can plant seeds that will last a lifetime. Your children are going to remember this time. This is a time to plant beautiful things. And then the last one is this, flourish. Maybe the best word is this, because you can settle down, you can dream. You can dream with God again. You can have time in prayer. You can have time reading scripture. You can have time watching God work in unique ways. And so I would just say, build, live, plant, flourish. What's God saying? Here's what God's saying. Take this time to create real home. Settle in create real home. But not only create real home, but God is calling us to something else that we find later in the scripture. It's to create well-being. Yeah, that's such a beautiful point, Danny, about how to create home. And what you were talking about, especially with young families, that really resonates with me during this time. But at the same time, also, that's exactly what God also tells us to do in addition to creating home, to creating the sense of well-being. And that idea is present in verse 7 of Jeremiah chapter 29. And it's where God tells his people, But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. 
And the Hebrew word that's translated welfare in that verse is this word shalom. And in the scriptures, most often that word is translated peace. But it's so much bigger than just simply peace. It's this extraordinary, this beautiful concept. And there's this author and theologian named Cornelius Plantinga, and he gets the award for the best name ever. And I wish I had his name. I wish I could just take his first name and just be called Cornelius Kim. <laughs> but regardless, what Cornelius Plantinga, how he describes Shalom is that he says it's that it's the webbing together of God, humans, and all creation in justice, fulfillment, and delight. We call it peace, but it means far more than mere peace of mind or a ceasefire between enemies. In the Bible, shalom means universal flourishing, wholeness, and delight. And so shalom is the way that God intended our world to be. It's completeness, it's wholeness, it's total flourishing in every facet of society, whether it be spiritually, socially, economically, or physically. And so God, through his prophet Jeremiah, was telling his people, this is how I want you to live. This is what I want your goal to be. I want you to desire the absolute best for these people in this place that you find yourself in. I want you to desire the well-being, the shalom of this place. And I was thinking about this. Imagine how difficult this must have been for the people of God to hear this. God saying to his people, you see these Babylonians around you? Desire shalom, create shalom and well-being for them. Because these Babylonians are the ones who had killed their family and their friends. They're the ones who had desecrated and destroyed the temple of God, something that they consider to be absolutely holy and sacred. They're the ones who decimated their city, their home of Jerusalem. And they didn't want to be in Babylon. They probably hated these people, yet God was telling them to do something incredibly difficult. And what we see throughout history is that when the people of God have done this, beautiful, incredible things have resulted. And there is this one historian and sociologist, and his name is Rodney Stark. Doesn't exactly have the name of Cornelius Plantinga, but nevertheless, he is a brilliant guy. And he wrote this book called The Rise of Christianity. And in it, he describes these plagues that impacted the Roman Empire during the first few centuries of the Jesus movement. And according to eyewitness accounts, there were no cures. There, there was no cure for these diseases. And as a result, their uh, people were afraid to come near each other. They were actually practicing social distancing even way back then. And tens of thousands of people died, many of them completely alone. Sort of sounds a little bit familiar and similar to what we're experiencing today. But in the midst of this situation where there was so much uncertainty, so much fear, so much loss and grief and confusion, what so many of the Jesus followers did is that rather than withdrawing, rather than isolating themselves, they chose to engage and they continued to choose to seek the shalom of that place. At great risk and cost to themselves, so many of these Jesus followers continued to give, they continued to serve, and they continued to love in this selfless and sacrificial manner. And that's why Rodney Stark and so many other scholars and historians tell us this was one of the major reasons why that this Jesus movement grew, and it ended up overwhelming and transforming the Roman Empire. And Rodney Stark says in his book, When the cities were falling apart, Christians stayed there and took care of the people, even if it cost them their own lives. And eventually, the people around them, they saw what they were doing. And they began to ask the important question of why. They asked them, why are you living this way? Why are you putting my needs above your own? And how many of them responded, 
was that they said that I'm not here for me. I'm here to serve. I'm here to serve everyone around me. And I'm here to create well-being. I'm here to create shalom. Because the reason why, what they were saying was, was that these Jesus followers operated on the principle, not your life to serve me, but my life to serve you. And it wasn't something that they came up with, but rather this is what they saw models for them in the life of their Savior, Jesus. And so they were just following in his footsteps. And people saw the beauty that came from the lives of these Jesus followers and it, kept, and it captured their imagination. And this is how the Jesus movement grew. It grew not because they tried to grab and take power and influence, but rather through service and humility because they sought to create well-being and they sought to create shalom. And so the question that I want to ask all of us here today, and not only for today, but this week, as we look forward to this week, is how can we do this in amongst the people in the place that we find ourselves? And it could be in the home with the, with the family members that we have around us. It could be with our coworkers, maybe when we're on a Zoom call, or maybe for some of us when we have to go to the office, but of course, practicing social distancing in the neighborhood that we find ourselves in. How can we create well-being this week and actually create the sense of shalom? But something that I do want to recognize is that so many of you are doing this right now. Healthcare workers are doing this right now. Leaders and owners of businesses are doing this right now. I've heard so, we've heard so many stories of people who are reaching out to the elderly, those with special needs, those who are alone, those who are vulnerable, and incredible things are happening. And we also wanted to highlight someone who is doing this as well, who's really just creating well-being among, in the place and amongst the people where she is finding herself in. And it's someone in our community who is actually at our Troy campus, and her name is Angelina. And alongside of the Chinese-American community in Michigan, they are having a huge impact. And I had the privilege of having a Zoom conversation with Angelina this past week. And so I'd love for us to check this, our, our conversation out together. So let's take a look. I'm here with Angelina, everyone, and her and her family have been at Kensington, specifically at our Troy campus, for a number of years. And Angelina, last week when we were having a conversation, you were telling me about all the ways that you and the Chinese-American community here in Michigan have worked so hard to be a part of the solution in regards to everything that's going on right now in regards to COVID-19. And so I'd love for you to share with us just a little bit about how you're involved and also how the Chinese American community is helping in this current situation. Sure, thank you, Andrew. This is a definitely good opportunity for me to speak for the, all the Asian Americans and also Chinese Americans here. This is a true and team effort. There are more than 1,600 individual donors and 54 nonprofit organizations and 42 business and companies behind us. So based on the database nationwide, 67 organizations from Asian American communities uh, have donated over $2.98 million value of fund and medical resources to local hospitals and communities so far. So we are not done yet. So with PPE supply conditions improving hospital, so we will turn our focus to uh, volunteer and uh, to our communities. So we have started to provide masks to vulnerable citizens and the neighbors in uh, grocery store. That's awesome. That's, that's incredible. Almost $3 million worth. And so I can't even imagine how much that is and the effort that's gone into all of that. But something that I do know is that um, 
you have a family, you have a lot going on in your life right now. Of course, you have a family, you and Andy are trying to balance that, educating your children, um, also work. Um, you have family in different parts of the country, family back in China. And so, um, but you've taken on this additional role, this additional step of really seeking to love the people around you and just really all across our, our state and uh, just partnering with other Chinese Americans here. And so the question that I wanted to ask you is, why are you doing this? What, what really inspired you and motivated you to take this step? I think it's mainly because um, everything started from China and then my settled family suffered this first. So when this started here, I felt inside of me an urge to do something, even just the little small things for our neighbors, friends here in the United States, because this is my home too. So um, I know I am blessed and I'm loved by my families, my friends. When I get a mask from China, I'm wondering how many people will not have masks here. So being, um, being loved, I would like to be the light of of God and of Jesus to show the love to others during this dark time when everybody is suffering and then let them know you are not alone. We are with you. I am with you. Even nobody, even somebody dislike Chinese people without just any reason. And then I want to show them love and to tell them we are here. This is United States is our family and then we can go through together, win this together, and then uh, let's do this together. Yeah, I love that. I love that, like the unity, and because honestly, like we are all in this together, um, and it's incredible what has already been done and what the Chinese American community here is also continuing to do. And so I wanted to say thank you. Thank you for all the work that you have put in, and I love your heart. It's so incredible, and you and Andy and your family are such a gift to our family here at Kensington. And so really, really appreciate you guys. And so thank you so much for your time, Angelina. Thank you too. Have a good day. Well, I love that story about Angelina. I've known Angelina and Andy uh, for years. They're amazing followers of Jesus. And to follow those prompts and to put all those people together to serve our community is a beautiful picture of creating well-being. Not only creating well-being, but also creating home. And as we're doing that, there's one last point that Andrew and I want to make, and this, this. We, we, in these times, we're called to create home, we're called to create well-being, but we're also called to trust the Creator. You know, this past week, I had a conversation with Ramesh Sabkota. He's our global leader in Nepal. I was just there a few weeks ago with him. He really works against human trafficking in some of the darkest uh, parts of the world uh, in terms of spiritual darkness. And I wanted to check up on him, number one. And number two, I wanted to learn from him. I want our community to learn from him. And so when I left just a few weeks ago, a, a few days after that, they locked down Nepal because of the coronavirus, and he wasn't able to come home. So his wife and his daughter are here. So be praying for them. Uh, they're separated, and, and uh, Ramesh is there. So I asked him about the coronavirus and what it's doing in Nepal. And, and then I asked him this. I said, can you teach us some wisdom? Give us some wisdom about suffering because he's seen a lot of it. And he said something interesting that I think plays into this last point that we're going to talk about. He quoted the scripture and told me a story found in the Gospel of Mark in chapter 4. It's a famous story about Jesus going to his closest disciples on one side of the lake and saying, hey, let's get into a boat and let's go to the other side. 
And so they get into this boat and they get to the middle of the lake and there's this storm, this squall that comes up and it starts to wash in the boat and it looks like they're going to drown and they're scared and Jesus is sleeping soundly. They wake him up in absolute terror thinking they're going to die. And Jesus calmly just stills the water and stills everything and everything comes to calm. And then he looks at him and he says this, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And it says that they were in awe of Jesus. And then Ramesh looked at me and said, listen, in these times of suffering, in these hard times, we have to trust the creator. We have to trust God. He knows what's best. He goes, think about this, Danny, in that story. If they're on one side and Jesus says, I'm going to get you to the other side. Think about in that story, if they got to the middle of the lake and the boat went down and they drowned. He said, that would mean that Jesus is a liar. He's not a liar. His promises are true. And when Jesus says he's going to get them to the other side, he is. And he says, Danny, I believe that. Jesus is going to get us to the other side. He always will. I had never really put it in that perspective before. But Jeremiah talks about that as well, this hope that we have in God. Yeah, that's exactly what um, in this last section that we're going to be looking at in our passage today in Jeremiah chapter 21, that's really the heart of it. And it's captured in this one verse in verse 11. And it's probably one of the most well-known verses in all the scriptures. I've seen people hang it up on the walls in their homes. I've seen people have it on the backgrounds of their computers, on their phones. So many people uh, have memorized it as well. Not myself, but others who are much better than me. But And so it's so well known, but at the same time, what I've come to realize, it's also one of the most misunderstood and misinterpreted verses in all of the Bible. And this is what God tells his people. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And that word prosper, it's the Hebrew word once again, which is shalom. And so what God was telling his people back then, and what he's also telling us today, is that my plan, my thought, my dream, my intention for you is that you would experience wholeness, that you would experience completeness, that you would experience total flourishing in every aspect of your life. But what we have a tendency to do is we have a tendency to use this verse sort of as a security blanket. And to say to ourselves, because God desires the absolute best for me, that he wants, because he wants uh, peace and prosperity for me to experience these things in my life, the difficulty and the pain that I'm experiencing right now, you know what, God's just going to take me out of it, or he's going to give me everything that I want or everything that I need just right away. And that's not what God is saying. And that may happen, but that's not what God is saying in this verse. And all we have to do to understand that is just look at the previous verse. Because in verse 10, God tells his people that you're not going to be here in Babylon in exile for just a few years, but rather you're going to be here for 70 years. So hunker down, create home, create well-being like we've been talking about. And this was God's plan for his people. And what's also crazy to me, is that when God was telling his people and saying these things to his people, for the vast majority of them, that they wouldn't ever see their home of Jerusalem again because they wouldn't be alive in 70 years. And so what was God saying to his people when he was saying that I have plans to prosper you if so many of them would never ever see their home again? And what God was talking about is that he wasn't just talking about experiencing shalom in our lives here on this earth, but also experiencing in its totality, really in the life to come, in the future, after this life. And what's so important, and Craig McGlasson actually said this so beautifully in our service, in our Easter service last weekend, is that when we understand 
what our future is, and more importantly, who holds our future. It changes so much about how we live in the present. And I, my family and Robin and I have been experiencing this recently because we have three young children and a lot of days it's hard because we're trying to figure out how our work schedules and who's gonna work when. We're trying to figure out how to educate our children and a lot of days that doesn't go very well and also taking care of them. And on most days, our house looks like it exploded and there's just stuff everywhere. And on really bad days, everyone's having a meltdown, including myself and Robin all at the same time. And oftentimes what gets us through, what gets me through those times is, is looking forward to, towards the future and understanding at some point in the day that my children will drift off into this beautiful and peaceful state called sleep. And that Robin and I will be able to reconnect, we'll be able to relax and just refresh and recharge. And understanding that that is what, is, is what my future holds allows me so often to push through those difficult moments. And so when God was telling his people these words, what he was saying is this is what is in store for you. And so that they would know that the grief, the loss, the confusion, the fear, the uncertainty that they were experiencing in that moment, that wouldn't be the final say. That wouldn't be the end. And the reason why we can know this is not just because of what it says in Jeremiah, but also because of what we experienced and celebrated last weekend at Easter. And that because of what Jesus did, we understand that the story ends well. We know what happens in the end. But that doesn't mean that everything is going to be okay. That doesn't mean that we're going to live problem-free lives, pain-free lives while we're here on this earth. And I think we all understand that because we've all experienced these things, difficulty and challenges in our lives. We're experiencing it as well, right now as well. But the reason why we can have hope, the reason why we can trust our creator is because no matter what we go through, on this earth, we know that he will give us everything that we need and that he is steering and directing all of human history to his desired destination, an incredible place. And after this life, that we will go to be with him in this beautiful place in paradise. And that's why we can have hope. And that's why it changes the way that we live today. We can trust him. We can trust in his promises. And so right now, what we're going to do is in a moment, I'm going to pray. And then afterwards, you're going to see on your screen various promises of God that will come up. And these promises are about God's faithfulness, about his goodness, that we can trust him to do what he promised that he would do. And I want to invite you just to take a moment and to read them and to reflect on them, meditate on them. And then Matthias and our team are going to lead us in two songs that will really cement what we've been talking about today. So let me pray for us. Would you join me in prayer? So God, we thank you. We thank you that you care for us so deeply, Lord. And even in the circumstance that we are in, that you continue to guide us, you continue to be with us, and you show us how we can live to truly experience the life that you have called us to. Thank you, Lord, and show us and guide us how today and even this week, in the place and amongst the people that you have strategically and intentionally placed us, how we can create home, how we can create well-being, and also how we can lean into you and trust in you in a greater way. And so we pray that we would be a reflection of who you are. Thank you so much for the people in our community, Lord, who are doing this, whether they be people who are frontline workers, God, whether whatever circumstance they find themselves in, thank you, Lord, for their desire to serve and to love the people around them. And so we thank you, God, and we pray these things in your son's name. Amen.
When the weight of life begins to fall On the name of Jesus I will call I know my God is in control And His purpose is unshakable Come on, we sing, doesn't matter Doesn't matter what I feel Doesn't matter what I see My hope will always be In your promises to me Now I'm casting out all fear For your love has set me free My hope will always be In your promises to me As I walk into the days to come I will not forget what you have done For you have supplied my every need Oh, and your presence is enough for me yeah. Oh, doesn't matter what I feel Doesn't matter Promises 
Come on, let's sing Father of Kindness. Father of kindness, you have poured out grace. You brought me out of darkness, you have filled me with peace. Giver of mercy, you're my help in time of need. Lord, I can't help but sing, sing faithful. Faithful you are And faithful forever you will be Faithful you are All your promises are yes and amen All your promises all your promises are yes and amen. Yeah. Come on, beautiful Savior. Beautiful Savior, you have brought me near. Pull me from the ashes, you have broken every curse. Blessed Redeemer, you have set this captive free. Faithfulness, I will rest 